Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, as always, a reminder, you can subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Going to have you covered throughout the offseason. The Gastroenteritis Blues just did a review on Matisse Thibel's year. I'll be doing the same thing with Jackson Frank coming up on Wednesday. He wrote a wonderful piece at libertyballers.com about how Tyrese Maxey is going to take the next step. So we'll talk about him as well. Joining me for this one, the lead producer of our site at Liberty Ballers, Mr. Paul Hudrick. Paul, how have things been for you? You finally got some weekends off here. How has that been for you, first off? Yeah, well, I've been told about these things called weekends, and uh, I got <laughs> to enjoy one. And even though it was almost 100 degrees here in, in Philadelphia slash South Jersey, um, it was still very good. We got to uh, we got to get out, see some friends and family. A little guy got to see some people he hasn't seen. So it was uh, it was very good. Well, the good news is Miles is still about 10 years away from having his heart broken repeatedly by the Sixers before he understands it. So we'll, oh, he's dude, I'm special. buying him a piano. He's going to he's going to be a musician. We're not we're not <laughs> we're not going to do sports. <laughs> uh, Paul, jumping into this, uh, you know, you had talked about this a bit last week, just on online on Twitter and stuff like that. But latest report from Mark Stein, he's of the New York Times, has his own Substack. He's one of the best insiders in the business, basically saying that the Lakers have not completely abandoned hope that the Sixers will part ways with Doc Rivers. I know how you feel about this. You're, I'm with you, too. I think just based off Daryl Morey's comments during the exit interviews that basically, hey, we're going to keep Doc. He likes the way things are, the dynamic between himself, Doc, and Elton Brand. But looking at this right now, again, there's got to be a little bit of smoke to the fire, no? I mean, like, where, where, you're, where you're seeing this, that, hey, he's being, the Lakers are clearly discussing this and maybe hoping for this in the background, although not going to have a chance unless they come up with some sort of package deal that doc wants out and everything kind of you know plays out that way but when you look at this from your perspective it's just there's nothing to this like how how serious should we take the fact that the lakers might be a contender to get doc rivers as their new head coach well i think you're right the smoke i think is from the lakers side i i, I think the lakers certainly um it seems like they are interested in having doc rivers be their next head coach i just don't see the path and even you know, and to, to credit to Mark Stein, even the way he worded it, the, the this quote, he said, unexpectedly available, meaning he does not expect him to be available. So, like, I, I get everybody was running with it. And that's, you know, and this is the world we live in. Like, Mark does a really good job. And he, and he like you said, he's one of the best. And so when he says something, it carries weight. And so people took one line and blew it up. But the reality is even Mark tempered it by saying unexpectedly available because I think most people that have an, an understanding of where the Sixers are coming from don't expect this to happen because as you already said publicly Daryl Morey came out couldn't answer fast enough with yes Doc Rivers will be the coach next year um, and then just, just really quick to move on from that and basically that that's that is what it is and then 
you know, privately, and it's not just me hearing this. I'm not like the only person on the Sixers beat getting this. Like I've been told Doc Rivers is going to be their coach next year. I know a lot of people aren't thrilled about that, but that's the reality. Um, it, it all signs point to Doc Rivers being the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers again next season. Sure, things change and whatever, and like anything can happen, never say never, but like I, I just don't see it happening because for so many reasons. One, I just, people have this, I get because some people don't like Doc Rivers and want Doc Rivers out. They can convince themselves that the Sixers feel the same way, but I don't think the Sixers feel the same way. I, I from, from everything I've been told, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers actually have a good working relationship. This again goes back to when Daryl was with the Rockets. They he wanted to hire Doc Rivers as a coach. These guys have a relationship dating back to their days with the Celtics when Doc was the coach and Daryl was coming up as an executive. So this isn't just something that's like conjured up or like ah well the, the, you know but like yes there are other factors sure like the money thing is is real like no the Sixers don't want to pay a coach that's not going to be here um, money like they don't want to pay a guy Doc has three years left on his contract. And they don't want to pay a guy for three more years when he's not here. But the Lakers situation obviously would give him and give them an out for that. And they're not taking that out because I really think they want Doc Rivers to be their head coach. And and that's kind of where I fall on this. I, I, again, never say never. And maybe I'll have some egg on my face at some point and, and, and something crazy will happen. But if if the Sixers are playing hardball, they're playing the hardest hardball I've ever seen from a team. Like I, I, if they don't want Doc Rivers as their head coach, they're doing a hell of a job covering it up. Yeah, I think at a certain point, we would start to hear, okay, you know what I mean? The Sixers are are kind of discussing this with Doc, what the options are. We haven't heard any of that from Philly's standpoint. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned, this has been a one-way street. The Lakers, like Bill Plaschke works for the LA Times, uh, comes on Around the Horn on ESPN a ton. He's you know written that, hey, that, that's what the Lakers want. And let's be real, LA has been slow in this process right we've heard Darvin Ham we've heard um Quinn Snyder we heard Terry Stotts but again they haven't made this particular commitment to any of those guys so I'm wondering how much hope they are holding out and if there is a way I mean like if you look at this right now would the Sixers even say hey we're willing to come up with some sort of deal if the Lakers come back and maybe they talk to Joel Embiid and they talk to uh James Harden who again I'm not saying this is a fact I'm just saying from my perception of it all didn't seem too thrilled with the things, especially on the offensive end. Like, I wonder if the players might be like, hey, let's bring in somebody else because we know what Doc's limitations are right now. In all fairness, and it, it was funny watching this entire season for the Sixers that number one, you kind of noticed at times, especially without Joel back in that stretch where I believe they went three and eight without him when he missed those games with the knee injury and he had the COVID stuff. And then, you know, that team still, I mean, they got blown out once or twice, but they played pretty damn hard. And so we see that Doc can get his players to play up a level. Saw that with the with the Clippers back in 2019 where they didn't really have any bona fide stars. Still got to game six against the Warriors who ended up losing in the final that season. But looking at Doc as a whole, like to me, Paul, my criticism of Doc Rivers would be that he didn't bring the best out of his players. Like that Miami series, losing those games by an average of 16 points, not really having uh, the heart or even showing any fight. Like to me, that was the troublesome part that the fact that the players, although limited, and don't get me wrong, he didn't have a great roster to work with. That's on Daryl. But like when you look at that, what what other than the adjustments and the same criticisms that we've heard from Doc year in and year out for the last 10, 10 or so years, but when you look at him, like 
What concerned you the most about that playoff run from a coaching perspective? See, and this people like are going to construe this as like, I'm like gung ho doc rivers and I want him back. And like, but that's not necessarily the case. I don't necessarily think he is the best coach for this team. I don't, but I would say this, and this is not an opinion I just have now with doc rivers. This is an opinion I had with Brett Brown was still here too. I look back on the Sixers playoff runs and I don't think the biggest issue in any of those runs was coaching. Did those guys from time to time get out coached? Sure. Um, it happened. Um, are there things that both of those guys could have done better? Absolutely. But I think when I look back at the Miami series, I don't think it was coaching that loss in the series. I think it was Joel Embiid having a broken face and missing two games. And then when he got back, he wasn't Joel Embiid. Um, and on top of that, James Harden, clearly, uh, I think he's I, I, like he, he clearly to me looked like he was compromised. He was not the same player. I think that hamstring was still bothering him. Uh, and then you just mentioned the roster. They had four guys, basically, right? I mean, they, it, it was Embiid, it was Harden, it was Maxi, it was Tobias Harris. After that, like, maybe Paul Reed might have been their fifth best player. Think about that for a second. Like, yeah. that's that's brutal. But I, I think when I look at Doc Rivers, the one thing that bothers me about the way he coaches, or not necessarily the way he coaches, but, like, the way he handles the rotation and the roster is I, his propensity to just really lean on veteran guys and not give younger guys opportunities um, and guys that he just like trusts or really likes. He'll just ride with them even when they're not playing well. And that's something I think has to change because this team is going to be right up against the cap wise um, and tax wise. And so, it, you know, e even if they don't wind up going for that superstar, you know, that, 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 that another star they could chase or whatever this off season, you need cheap, good players. And they're one of the avenues to, for cheap, good players is young players. And so when you just leave, like, I, I don't know if Paul Reed, if Charles Bassey, if Isaiah Joe, um, it, I don't know if any of those guys are rotational NBA players, but I'd like to find out, like, I'd like to see them play games and know whether or not they are. I'd like to be certain of that. Um, and they don't practice a lot. And that's a Doc Rivers thing. And I don't, I don't personally have an issue with that. I think with the NBA, the way it is and how demanding the schedule is, I don't have an issue with, with a coach not wanting to practice guys and run them into the ground. But if you do that, that means games are the only opportunity you get for these young guys to play and develop and learn. So maybe instead of letting Furkan Korkmaz be in a 50 game slump, maybe you throw Isaiah Joe in there for like 20 games. See if he can get into a rhythm. See if he can, he shot 34% from three. That's not good. Kirk Korkmaz shot 28% from three and he got all this runway to do so. And meanwhile, Joe is actually a pretty good defender, whereas we know Korkmaz on the defensive end is a disaster. So where was Isaiah Joe to get some minutes? Why, after the All-Star break, do you play Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan, who clearly are or just were done, just were cooked? How do you go back to them and not even just give Paul Reed or, or Charles Bassey an extended look? Luckily, Doc did that at the end of the year. And then also, to Doc's credit, went with Paul Reed in the playoffs as his backup five. but why you don't go to those guys sooner and give them more run and give them more opportunities. I, I, I that's the biggest thing to me. And like, so again, next year, you're going to have, you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to use younger guys. You're going to have to hope, hope that some of these guys earn some roles and you're going to have to give them a little bit of leash. You're going to have to let them play and make some mistakes. So if I have my point about, about Doc Rivers, that's probably my biggest one. 
I will say, yeah, I'm, at times like slow to adjustments. You know, I, I thought in the Heat series, they waited a little bit too long to maybe trap and, and, and you know, and double team Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. I think they could have done that a little bit more aggressively and more and earlier in the series when he was just having his way um, and just little things. like that. But I think you talk about the effort and all that, and I get it. And if, if people want to blame Doc for that, but these are grown men. These are professional athletes. You should not need Ted Lasso to come in there and give you some kind of crazy metaphor and speech to go out there and get excited to play. You should be ready. So I have a hard time blaming Doc for that. But um, again, I, I don't blame coaching as much in a in a player driven league like the NBA is. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm with you. I, I think that with the the issue I had was uh, like we talked about, Paulie, you mentioned, hey, possibly maybe, you know, trapping against Jimmy Butler, trying to do different stuff. We just didn't see that. And those two losses were so deflating. You know what I mean? Like even going back for game six, you're assuming, okay, this is going to be a dogfight. This is going, like, I remember we were talking, we're like, I think this is going seven. We saw that, you know, the Sixers won the first two with Embiid back, obviously had that ugly game five performance, but it just didn't work out that way. And I think that's where people have, and, and they're well within the reason to question what dog brings and look at the way the roster is constructed. You don't want to have five centers and you're always using two of them. You know what I mean? So like you said, find some cheap young guys that might be able to come in, maybe a veteran who's going to be able to come in and give you 10, 12, 14 minutes a game and just not lose it for you. And I think that's what we're hoping to see. Uh, Paul, let's jump into a short break. Just want to touch on some other rumors, including Matisse Thibel. We'll talk about Tyrese Maxey a bit as well. We'll do that coming up in about a minute. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, Paul. We talked about Doc Rivers there before the break. Uh, Matisse Thibel, and as I mentioned, did a podcast this on Sunday. Steve and the crew did, so you can do a deep dive on his season about how he's basically playing four on five. The Sixers are with him on the court. But when you hear about his potential availability, right? Not a ton of cap space if you are able to move Matisse. Who knows what the uh, ultimate return will be? You're looking at about $4.4 million for next season, but... When you look at Matisse, how likely is it that you think that he'll be back on the team next season? Uh, to put it like that, I'm not sure. Um, I'll say this: they're not they're not going to give him away, and that like that that's the reality. Like they're they're not just going to trade him just for the sake of trading. Like they'll I think they'll trade him if there is an opportunity to improve the team. Like if you can maybe perhaps swap him out for a veteran, like a, a guy who is a little bit more three than D on another team. Uh, maybe you do something like that uh, or you, you trade into a team that like has that's not as good. That's maybe not as their their championship window isn't now. So, you know, I, I don't know. Pick a team like someone like Charlotte, maybe who like and that's not to say that I'm not connecting those dots in, like like uh, on a on a uh, source level, like just saying like Charlotte's a team that I think could give him a little bit more runway to improve 
his offense and, and maybe become a little bit better of a player who could make sense next to a guy like a LaMelo ball defensively. Um, and whereas the Sixers, maybe they get a veteran guy back in return that fits their roster a little bit better. There could be that there could be, we've heard about the idea of, of, you know, landing another star. If, you know, if, if they're serious about that, a sign and trade, you're not giving optimum value. Like they're not going to, again, they're not going to trade Tyrese Maxey in that because that's just not the way sign and trades work. You don't give up value like that, but could Matisse Thibel be of interest in to Washington? If a Bradley Beal sign and trade happens, sure. That, that could happen as well. Um, or just again, any, any trade where he could just it could be a sweetener as possible. Like again, if, if you're looking to to move on from Tobias Harris and hoping someone will eat that salary, Maybe Thibel gets thrown on as a sweetener, like something like that. But uh, like, uh, they're not just going to say, ah, you know what? We're not a huge fan of his. We're going to give him away. Like, I think they still are holding out hope that because he still is. A, I mean, the guy just is two times in a row now. He's a second team, all NBA defensive team pick. If the offense just comes around a little bit, if he becomes an okay three point shooter and continues to kind of improve as a cutter and a finisher, there is an NBA basket, rotational basketball player that could help you win a championship. So um, they haven't given up on Thibault, I can tell you that. And I think the only way they move him is if they're getting something good in return. Well, you mentioned and you talk about Tyrese Maxey and how, you know, he's been phenomenal. And we saw the leap that he took this season. You know, I think if he continues at this trajectory, could be an all-star very well in the next year or two. You know what I mean? Just given that his performance, how he's played, but we know how high the Sixers are on him. You mentioned him as a guy. I mean, you look at what he was able to do last season, average 17 and a half points, just over four assists, uh, became a, a very good three-point shooter. Like he's done all this stuff, great. But you mentioned the star hunting thing, and we've heard that there is a possibility that they want to look to try and add someone else. And again, you're looking at the maxi situation where you're not going to get a ton of cap relief because he's on the books for what, just over, just under $3 million for next season, 4 million after that, depending on what happens with the club options, et cetera, et cetera. But is there any scenario that you could see Daryl Morey, including him in a trade? If it came for somebody like Bradley Beal, if it came for another bona fide star that the team wants Maxi and a, and a future first rounder, which I don't think the Sixers can trade until what, 2027 or 2029, depending <laughs> on what happens this season. But I mean, you're basically looking like that would be the goal for a rebuilding team is having a young star like Maxi who has the potential to grow and be one of the lead dogs on your team. Like, do you, could you see Daryl even entertaining that thought if the, the right offer comes available for somebody like a Bradley Beal, like I mentioned? Uh, if Rob Palenka calls and says, Hey, I got this guy, LeBron James, um, like <laughs> maybe then no, but like I, I, from, it, from this is my personal belief. And then also just from, people I've talked to, like, they're not trading them. Like it's, it's, it would have to be something like that. Like they would have to be getting one of the absolute best players in the NBA in order for them to move on from Tyrese Maxey. And I don't, I just, I don't foresee a scenario in which that happens. Like I said, if you're talking about Bradley Beal, that's a sign and trade. You're, you don't give up a player like Tyrese Maxey, like you already alluded to, um, and I'll, I keep saying this and I'll say it's still blue in the face. It is a question of when, not if this guy makes an all-star team, you don't give up a player like that in a sign and trade. That just doesn't happen. Um, because in order for that to happen, Bradley Beal has to say, Hey, I really want to be on the Sixers and work out a contract. And then after all that, the team does not have enough leverage to then say, Oh, well, we want Tyrese Maxey. No, it does not work that way. Um, same with Zach Levine, the same deal. You, you, it just doesn't happen. So Unless we're talking a pie in the sky player, unless like the Milwaukee Bucks say, "Hey, we've had our, enough fun with Giannis Antetokounmpo," like, uh, but we like Tyrese Maxey. 
you, you know what I mean? Like, there's just I, I don't see a scenario. Uh, I mean, the word I, I was told was like literally untouchable was was the phrase I, I that was thrown at me. Um, granted, untouchable is not it's as I mentioned, it's not, no one is purely untouchable, but he's pretty close. Uh, again, the, the other term that was used was franchise cornerstone. That's the way they look at him now. So whereas last summer, it was more like, you know, when, when the Dame Lillard stuff was out there, when the James Harden stuff was even still out there or whatever, you, you heard Maxie's name and that there might've been something to that. Unless like, like if you're seeing, if you see anyone connecting Bradley Beal and saying that the, the wizards could get Tyrese Maxie, that's just a pipe dream for someone who covers the Wizards or who likes the Wizards. That that is just not going to happen. Yeah, and and there's so much left to play out, Paul. Because I mean, I, I'm with you. You don't get guys like that at at that level of of cap hit in terms of Maxi being you know drafted where he was. You're not exactly you know paying him out to to a point that it's killing you and you're in the luxury taxes. Like you still got a couple of years left with a guy whose trajectory, like I mentioned, is trending towards being an All Star. Uh, Paul, let's wrap up on this. We still don't know what's going to happen with the Sixers pick. The Nets have until June 1st to make that decision. If they elect to wait till next year, Philly will be picking number 23, and then we'll get into the draft, free agency, et cetera, et cetera, as we get into July. But I wanted to ask you, is there any prediction you have right now for something the Sixers will do this offseason to make a change to the roster? Ooh, that's a good question. I do think toughness, that that is a thing like you're going to hear a name. Someone is going to come to this team. That's going to be that kind of guy who's going to be just like the names that I know people have thrown out there just for like fun, but like a Patrick Beverly, a Marcus Morris, like somebody like that will be a 76er. Not sure who, not sure where they come from, not sure how they get them, but that'll happen. The other things I would say is um, that first round pick. I think it, I think it's definitely going to be theirs. I don't think the nets are going to take it. I would not be surprised to see that first round pick flipped for that type of player that I was just describing a proven tough veteran uh, playoff tested guy. Um, I I could certainly see that coming and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a Tobias Harris move. But again, I don't think they're going to give Tobias away. I think it's yes, that contract is hefty, but he's still an NBA basketball player. It's a pretty darn good one. And I think he was pretty good in the playoffs for the most part. So um I would not be surprised if Maury searches for options to make the team better by getting off that salary and either using that money, like dumping the salary off at like an OKC and then using that money or using Tobias Harris's contract to take back a couple of role players in exchange. That wouldn't be a bad trade, Paul. And I'm with you. Tobias Harris played well during the playoffs, just not $37 million well. You know what I mean? No. So I think that's where that's where the trade-off's going to be. Uh, let's wrap things up there. Adil will be back with an episode of Out of Sight on Tuesday, and then I'll be back in the chair hosting with Jackson Frank on Wednesday. We'll do a deep dive on Tyrese Maxey. Paul, you've worked your ass off. Thank you for the job you've done with us at Liberty Ballers. Get some much-needed downtime, hopefully in the next couple of weeks here before we get right back to it leading up to the draft. I'm trying, man, and right back at you. All right. You need to get some rest in there too, pal. Oh, hey, that's okay, Paul. You know what? We get paid to watch basketball. I can never complain about that, right? Let's (laughs) let's keep that in perspective. But uh, let's wrap things up there. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, always appreciate a subscription and a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one.